Well, hello again. I hope you are doing well and everything is going in a fashion that is pleasable to you. Life can sometimes have its bumps in the roads, but uh, it continues to go on like the car. It may hit a bump, but it keeps on going. And that's part of life. We we hit bumps, but uh, we just keep going. And I want to encourage you, keep going. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on yourself. And I pray that um, today would just be a blessed day for you. What I'd like to do today is <clears throat> look at the uh, rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. Um, he's an exciting young guy, and he's much like a lot of young people today and and people who have the ability to somewhat set their own life. And uh, many millennials want to run their own life. Um, I don't know when all this stuff started because, as they call us, I can't remember what they even call us right now, but after World War II, uh, we were the baby boomers. There it is. And uh, then came another group and another group. Well, it's all life. And uh, it takes place in different stages and different uh, times. That's all. But it's life. And life isn't that much difference between the baby boomers and the baby boomers and the millennials, as we call them. But you have to learn to live life. And I don't think we've really figured that all out yet. How do I live life in such a way that life is meaningful and life is fulfilling and life really has a purpose behind it? Uh God didn't place me here just to survive. He put me here to thrive. He um, wants me to grow and to uh, live life in a manner of abundance. Uh, and that abundance is being full with life, the enjoyments of life. Because, again, life has its bumps in the road. Life has its difficulties. Life has its hard spots. Uh, I like to call those all learning experiences that God allows to creep into our life to help us to grow in him. But again, I want to look at this young man, and he asked a very important question. And I think today uh, we need to find time to explore that question more and more. How does one get eternal life? So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the life that you've given unto us. And everyone who has breath has been granted life by you. And we recognize that, Lord, life is a gift. And we want to treasure the gift that you've given unto us. And we want to make the most out of this gift that you have granted us. But Lord, we need to be taught how to live this life. And I pray that, Lord, uh, you kind of open that shell a little bit this morning. You would crack that window that we might see how you would have us to live life and to live it to the fullest. Help us to understand life is not just about me. It's about others. 
and Lord will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, in Matthew, this rich young man or well-to-do young man, and over in Luke 18, he's called a ruler. He comes with a very important question to Jesus. And his question is, how do I get eternal life? So let's read uh, in Matthew in chapter 19. Let's start off in verse 16 and let's read down in through 18. He says, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man required. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. This young man recognized what he has, but more important, he recognizes what he don't have. And the young man knows he does not have eternal life. And he wants to know how he might gain it. The young man does know that he's wealthy and that he has many possessions. He knows he holds a good position, according to Luke 18, as he has the title there, a ruler or someone in authority. And you may have a comfortable position in life. And you may have the wealth. And you may have many possessions. But is there something lacking? We can have a lot of things. And still there's something lacking in us. Something that's missing. And we know that. You know it, that there's something yet still missing in your life that does not give you the fullness of life or give you total enjoyment and happiness in life. There's something that is missing that you're not completely satisfied. And only when you discover that as Paul says, would you be content? You and I have to deal with this question. Whether we want to or not, many people begin to deal with it sometime when they're on their deathbed. I want to suggest to you it's too late. Now, it's never too late to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But Life now has basically gone by. 
There's not a lot of changes you can make. One of the saddest things in life is to hear people say, I wish I could go back and redo. There's no going back. There's no second life in this life. So we want to learn how to live life to its fullest and the way in which God would have us to live it now in this present time. While I still have a portion of life in which if I need to make changes, I make changes. If I need to change my lifestyle, I change my lifestyle. If I need to do better in this or that, that I do it. That if I need to search to grasp a deeper understanding of what it is to have eternal life through Jesus Christ, that I have time to search that out and to seek the understanding of it and know that I have it. This young man knew what he had, but he also knew what he did not have or possess. And Jesus gave him this answer. When he asked about eternal life, he says, keep the commandments, obey the commandments. And the young man's answer to that was, basically, I've done that. Even to the point to demonstrate that he had knowledge of the Old Testament, that in verse 17 the whole thing is that, boy, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments, Jesus replied to him. He says, which ones? To show that he is knowledgeable of the Old Testament. The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not steal, giving him the commandments of Moses, knowing there's other commandments that God gave in the Old Testament. And he says in that verse 20, he answers Jesus and he says, all these I have kept. I've kept, I've done these, the young man said. What do I still lack? Now, for those of you who put so much into keeping the commandments of God, I want you to hear what this young man is really stating. When he says, what do I still lack? Because inside where that question comes from, from within him, there was still something lacking that he knew he didn't have eternal life. So after he knew that he had kept the commandments, he has done this and done that, there was still something lacking. And you may be a person who says, I keep the Ten Commandments. I want to share with you something. Search yourself and see if there's not still something lacking. Because just by keeping the commandments is not going to give you eternal life. It's not going to give you a right to heaven just because, quote unquote, you've been good by keeping the commandments. It goes much further than that. And the young man says, what do I still lack? Because he realized there was something still lacking in him, even though he had kept the commandments of God. 
and that he was still without the assurance of eternal life. Now, I also want to share with you, eternal life is not something new that just props up here at this moment in Scripture. Eternal life is something man has been struggling with since, in one sense, time began. We find that the Egyptians, and many of you know about the Egyptians and their pyramids as they uh, prepared for the uh, pharaoh or the king or whatever to be able to travel to another land that they believed in a life after death. And they would prepare for him food, riches, and those things that they thought he may have need of and place them also in the pyramids. Now, Many different cultures believed in some type of eternal life. The question was, how did I get it? How do I get it? How do I get eternal life? And that's what the young man's question is. How do I gain eternal life? And that's something you and I ought to be looking at and asking ourselves. How do we how do we really gain eternal life? He knew there were different commandments given in the Old Testament. He had performed all those and still yet understood there was something lacking. Something lacking. All these I have kept, he said. But what do I lack? He understood he was not saved. He understood he was not assured of heaven. He understood he didn't have eternal life. And yet he wanted to know more about how he could gain it. Now one of the works of Satan is simply this is to keep our minds so busy on our present life that we don't take time to even ask this important question that this young man is asking. What must I do to gain eternal life? Satan can keep us so bound mentally in just this present world and what we're going through in this present life we give no thought about life after this life. And one thing is guaranteed, this present life is going to end. Your present life is going to end. We're discovering that more and more even with COVID-19. 400 and some thousand people have died. If you ask them maybe a few months before their death, they were not expecting to die. They were only expecting to live. And that's one of the things about man that we really do in many senses prepare to live, but we never give much thought to death and life after this life. If there is life after this life, the time to search that out is now, not later. The time to search it out, if there really is a heaven and a hell, is to search it out now. 
not to try to ask that question after death takes place. And here's this young man, again, asking this important question. What must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, if you want it, if you want it, do this. Now, for some of us, there are going to be some different things that God's going to ask us to do. They're all not the same, but there's also the one thing we all must do. So first in verse 21, Jesus answered, because he said that he lacked something still. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, understand, Jesus didn't say, if you want to have eternal life, but if you want to be perfect, if you want to be whole, in a sense now, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Wow! What are you saying? I imagine the young man was shocked because he was not expecting that type of a answer. Go sell your possessions. Give them to the poor. He was looking for something else that he could really maybe do that would gain him eternal life without making a change in his present life. And many of us look for that. We want the gift of God, we want heaven, we want an assurance of eternal life, of being saved without no changes, with no demands on us, but that somehow I just get it and it's mine, but I don't have to change, I don't have to give anything up for it, I don't have to do anything. If you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know it's going to cost you something. Salvation itself has totally been paid for by Jesus Christ. But for you now to receive it is not a work that you have to do. It's a choice you have to make. Not a work, but a choice. And you're the one that has to make that decision about eternal life in Jesus Christ. Because he's going to ask you about your present life and he's going to make some changes in your present life that you're going to have to be willing to submit to if you're going to have the life that God desires you to have. So Jesus answered him in that verse 21 after the young man says, what do I still lack? Jesus answers him and says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possession. No, 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 no. You don't know how hard I worked to get these things. You don't know what I've gone through to obtain these things. 
You don't know the difficulty and the suffering that I went through that I might be able to purchase these things and possess them. And Jesus says, go sell your possessions. To give up what we think is valuable in life to us, it is difficult. To give up what we think we've gained in life can be difficult. Now, Jesus didn't tell him to go and give away everything that he sold, whatever he made off of it. He just told him to sell your possessions. He didn't tell him, okay, now now you got to give it all away or how to give it away. He didn't say if he had to give away half of it, a third of it, or give it all away. It is uh, assumed that he would have to give it all away because he says give it to the poor. So even given to the poor could have been over a matter of time. Uh, if you ever watch the uh, documentary Men Who Built America, and one of them is uh, Carnegie, the steel giant, and him and uh, Morgan, and that uh, Morgan offers Carnegie millions and millions of dollars to buy the steel company. But Morgan tells Carnegie, I will make you the richest man in the world. And you can go and do then your charitable works or the works of helping humanity, however you so desire to do. Because Carnegie said his wealth was only meaningful if it somehow helped man, if it helped humanity, would his wealth have any meaning? So the Carnegie Foundation still goes on today, helping many different organizations help humanity to be a little better. And this young man, God says, go sell your possessions. The second part of that is simply this then. Give to the poor. Now, he may have problems with poor people. A lot of us sometimes do have problems with poor people by the way in which we think about poor people. And Jesus is the one who said, you will always have the poor with you. But he didn't call them lazy, shiftless people, irresponsible people, ignorant people. He didn't start labeling the poor. He said they were poor. And we need to understand this. Everybody can't be rich. Everybody can't be wealthy. And Jesus said it correctly. You will always have the poor with you. Now sometimes the poor are poor because they are lazy. Not all of them are lazy. Not all of them are shiftless and worthless, as some of us would 
try to label them. Some are poor because they have not had the opportunities that you and I may have had in life. Some of them are poor because they don't have the education and they never had the foundation of an education granted unto them by those parents who raised them who may not have had an education and lack an education, nor did they push their children to get an education that would help them in life. There are those areas that many people lack and they wind up being poor because they are ignorant of finances. And they waste a lot of money and they put themselves in the poor house in a sense because they do not know how to use their funds. It's never about how much money you make. It's about what you do with what you make. And the Bible has a very simple little answer sometime about wealth. It's little upon little upon little upon little that it has to build. It has to build. It has to grow. And for money to grow, somebody soon somewhere had to make a sacrifice. And poor people think they're already sacrificing, so they don't know how to make a sacrifice in order that money might have the opportunity to grow. Then there's that other area. People who have not been taught to make decisions off of facts rather than feelings will also always be poor. Even though they have some funds, some capital, some ways of earning money, they're basically poor because they make poor decisions on how to use money and they spend money based on their feelings rather than on real facts. How many of us buy a, a new car because we want a new car? And if I have a new car, it puts me in a different class of people. I'm somebody if I'm riding around in this Mercedes, in this Cadillac, in this Lincoln, in this new car. Uh, one of the things that I hate to see in our community sometimes, our young kids go buy a car but pay more money for the rims and, and the wheels than what the car really costs. And the thing is, bad decisions. So it's the misuse of money because they've never been taught how to handle finances, how to invest, how to put up a little, a little, a little, and watch it become more than what they could ever have dreamed it becoming. So there's many different reasons why we have classes of poor people. And again, I would say number one is opportunity. You remove the opportunity from people from being able to work, to prepare themselves for work, and learning the importance of how to handle the little funds that they do get, 
you will have a class of poor people. And a lot of people who are wealthy have made their living and their money off of poor people and poor people suffering. And he, and this young man may have had a problem with the poor. And Jesus said, now you go give it to the poor. Whether you give it a little bit this year, a little bit next year, but you're going to set this money to the side for the purpose of giving it to the poor. And then look at the third thing that he's asking him to do. Come follow me. Now, now, now that's what we all have to do. The other two things may not be something that is required by the Lord for us to have eternal life. But for all of us who want eternal life, this last one has to be followed. Come follow me. Come follow me. And that becomes vital and important because Jesus is the only one who can lead us to eternal life. He's the only one who can give us eternal life. He's the only one who can lead us to the Father. He's the only one who can lead us to heaven. There is no one else. And he says, come, follow me. Now, I want you to take note of something. Jesus doesn't ask him any more than what he asked of his disciples. When he asked his disciples to come follow him. And, and, and we need to recognize that. Now, yes, that is something we all have to be willing to do. That you come and follow me. And again, no more than what he asked the others. If you go into Mark one seventeen, he simply says, get there, Mark one seventeen. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's go back up to verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. Come follow me. Now, now Jesus is walking on land. Catch this. Their work is out on the lake catching fish. Jesus' work is on land. They're going to have to leave something in order to follow Jesus. They're going to leave their work and what they do as far as providing for themselves and making a living, they're going to have to leave it and follow him. All of us are going to leave something to follow the Lord. 
my goal in life as a young man was to be retired at 50, not fully retired, but sitting in a position that all I had to do was direct. And my goal as a young man was to be the first black man in Akron, Ohio, if not Ohio, to own his own heating and air conditioning business. And I had bought my little shop. And I was planning to leave Chrysler at some point because I was working at Chrysler. I had already went through my four years apprenticeship. I have had eight years now at Chrysler working in the sheet metal department. Um, I was ready to step out because, again, I was trained in um, basically commercial work as a sheet metal individual. And um, my goal was to start my own business. I had already applied and received my number from Washington. I had already uh, named my uh, business. I've already bought all my equipment. I added onto my garage and I had my equipment in my garage that I could do almost any type of furnace work that needed to be done residentially and some small commercial work. And my goal was to grow, make money, and retire by the age of 50. And then God started pricking on my heart and saying, you're going to go into ministry. And he had two different men in my life come to me and tell me, you're going to be a minister. You're going to go into ministry. And all I can say, nope, not me, not me. But Jesus brought me to that point. And I remember one day at Chrysler, I was walking down the hall and I said, Lord, we're going to settle this. I'm going to go ask for a leave of absence that I might go to school. And I went around and talked with different men. Some told me, don't leave Chrysler. It's too good of a job. It pays too good. But my present pastor at that time, Pastor Paul Valentine, he said, Gus, if you're going to go in ministry, go prepare yourself. Uh, go learn as much as you can learn. So I made that decision. I left what my plan was. Even put all my shop in storage. Stored all my equipment. Just in case it didn't work. You know, we, we, we still doubt some. And so, so I stored it all just in case... This school thing and ministry thing didn't work. But I had to leave it in order to follow him and discover the life that he had planned for me. And that's all I'm trying to say. That if you truly love the Lord Jesus Christ and you commit to following him, you're going to have to leave something behind. What that might be, I don't know. For some of you, it might be somebody you're dating. 
He never asks you to leave your wife or husband behind. He doesn't ask that because the two become one. But maybe someone who you feel you're very much in love with, but they don't know the Lord. They have no desire to serve the Lord. And it may hurt for a while to tell that person goodbye because you're going two separate ways now. It may be a, a job that you have worked at for a few years or you have your dream, your goal. Um, I didn't know how I was going to break that to my wife because we had bought our home. It was a lovely home for two young people. To have such a home at that time was really something and and I praise God for it. But as she said, God told her that she was going to be leaving that house and she was ready to go. To serve God, you have to be willing to let go of something and follow him. You'll never be disappointed. And he said to Peter and to Andrew, come, follow me. Come, follow me. He says the same thing to the other brothers, Zabadee and James and John. He says, uh, boy, come and follow me in verse 20. Come and follow me. And it's our ongoing trait of the Lord that he is saying, come follow me. There's other things he may ask of you that may be different than what he's asking of others. But the one thing he does ask of all of us, come follow me. Come follow me. And that's what he does with the rich young ruler. Go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, Build your he- build your treasure in heaven, not here on earth. Come follow me. You can build a treasure in heaven that is there for you. It's the safest vault you will ever find because no thieves can break into it. You have a choice to make, and, and all of us have this choice to make. You may ask yourself, well, what's my treasure in heaven? What do I gain by doing this? And, and later on, uh, Peter and the disciples are going to ask this question also because they're listening in on this conversation with this rich young ruler. And, and the question is, if I give up this or give up that, what will I have? So, we need to understand that, yes, there's something that's going to have to be given up. And whatever you give up, God says, and you will have treasures in heaven. We all have to ask the question, what is more important to me? Building something here on earth or building something up there? Sometimes I keep with a couple of men at our church. And just about all the men, uh, when I'm asking them to do something, and, and, and they ask me, uh, well, Pastor, what am I going to get? Well, you're going to build some treasure in heaven. Because God is not a debtor to any man. Uh, you're going to build some treasures up there. See? And, 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 and they're going to be there waiting on you. you see? Uh, we oftentimes forget 
What is it that we truly value? Because where your treasure is and what you really value, that's where your heart will be. And this young man was valuing the lifestyle that his wealth afforded him to live. It was not so much about the wealth itself as it was about the lifestyle and the pleasures that the wealth allowed him to enjoy in this life. And God's not against people being wealthy. Because God has a lot of wealthy servants. So he's not against wealth. It's how wealth is used. And do we understand who owns it? This young man was speaking to the one who owned it all. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not asking a young man to give away, in a sense, his own wealth. He's asking a young man to give away the wealth that he has somewhat loaned unto him or given unto him for a short period of time. And you need to understand, that's all your wealth is. It's a loan to you or that which has been granted to you by God to use it here on earth just for a short while. How do I weigh treasures in heaven and the treasures here on earth? How do I weigh that? One, one of them lasts for a few years, maybe, but you can't take it with you. When you die, I don't care if you have $10 million, you can't take $1 with you. You can't take any of it with you. It all stays here. Now, what you have laid up in heaven, it's there. And it's there throughout eternity. But the wealth you build here, it only stays here. So at some point, it doesn't have the value that your heavenly wealth holds for you. The lesson is very simple. Whatever wealth you gain here stays here. But whatever wealth you build in heaven stays there. And there's where you're going to live out for eternity. You're going to live life for eternity there. Now, are you putting up for your future? Have you asked yourself that question? Uh, are you putting up for your future? And I want to encourage you, we all need to do that, but not at the expense of serving the Lord and doing what he would have us to do. Are you putting up for your retirement? And we're all going to be there quicker than what we think. But again, not at the expense of being obedient to God. Now, here's the trade-off. Here on earth, we often are worried about health insurance or how we will take care of ourselves if some unforeseen sickness comes. So we're worried about, do I have enough health insurance? Will it cover? Do I have enough money to take care of myself if I need to do so? 
We worry about the mortgage that we pay, uh, especially for those who have a variable rate. How how high will this thing go? Will will it be okay? Can I pay it? Uh, if I lose my job, can I take care of my mortgage? Um, to take a vacation, how am I going to pay for it? To feed my family or to feed myself? Uh, now, the trade-off is simply this. In heaven, you have the best health insurance policy there is. No sickness. No sickness, no need of a health insurance policy. House is already provided. The Lord Jesus Christ said he's already gone to prepare a place for us. Oftentimes as Christians, sometimes we talk about the mansion we're going to live in in heaven. And it's good to talk about that and joke about it. We don't know what we're going to live in or whatever. Uh, we just don't have that information per se. We call it the mansion, you know, and so forth. But just think about it. No more mortgage payments. Housing is provided free for you in heaven. Your travel expense. Don't worry about how you're going to get to heaven. It's already been paid for and taken care of. And you'll be there, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're going to be there. Don't have to worry about travel expenses at death. It's already taken care of. Food, boy, it's already taken care of. Don't have to worry about purchasing. It's taken care of. Just part of the treasures that we have in heaven. And you may say, well, boy, that, that, that all sounds good, but we don't know if that's really going to take place. Well, in Corinthians, he says, eyes have not seen nor ears heard, what God has prepared for us. And that's true. And this young man hasn't heard it either. But what he is hearing is what he needs to do in order to gain what he desires to get. But he didn't desire it enough. So he falls short. He goes away sad because he valued his possessions his wealth, his earthly things, more so than the spiritual things. And that's what we all have to be very careful of. Do I value my earthly things more so than the spiritual things that God wants to give to me and bless me with? And Jesus said to him, go sell your possessions Give it to the poor. Follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad in verse 22. Boy, in Matthew 19, 22, it says, he went away sad. But who caused his sadness? Did Jesus cause it or did he cause it himself? And I want to suggest to you that the young man caused his own sadness because he was not willing to obey or do what Jesus asked of him. Let me share this little tidbit with you. We cause much of our own misery and sadness and discomfort in life because we will not choose to be obedient 
unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We cause our own sadness. Look how many young ladies are sad with two, three, four children with all different type of fathers. Now, I know you're getting tired maybe of me speaking of this, but somewhere I'm just going to do a whole message on this part because somewhere we're losing sight of the importance of a family, a family that is ordained by God, not that which just is allowed by man, but what God so desired. And when we don't do it God's way, we're not obedient to God in the area of keeping our bodies as something that is special, sacred, something that has been consecrated unto God and is going to be used in the manner in which God has ordained, we suffer. We suffer. Men suffer. Women suffer. Children suffer. Everybody suffers over the issue of not following Jesus and not keeping what Jesus has asked us to do. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. He caused his own sadness. May I ask you, who's causing you to be sad? And what's causing you to be joyful? My joy and my peace is all in a person by the name of Jesus Christ. I hope you know him. I, I hope you experience the joy, the peace, the comfort, the security that is found in him. And the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, again, I want to suggest to you, it was not about his wealth. He enjoyed his present lifestyle. And when you enjoy your present lifestyle, when you enjoy the life that you have in comparison with the life that God wants to give you, and you choose your own, only thing that you're saying is this, I'm going to do life my way, not the way in which God would desire for me to live or to do. And that brings about sadness. Because you'll never find contentment and real joy or real peace outside of Jesus Christ. And he went away sad to live a life of sadness because he would not discover on his own what he was seeking, eternal life. You'll never find eternal life on your own. It is found in a person, Jesus Christ. And he walks away from him because of what is being required of him to give up a certain lifestyle and take on another lifestyle. And he saw that lifestyle as something that would change his life of comfort or joy, security, independence, whatever it is, it was going to change his life. And he says no to it because he would have to give up his wealth, give it to the poor, come follow Jesus. 
And Jesus didn't have no home to go to per se. He didn't have no mansion to go to. He didn't have no rich following per se that he gathered with every day. He was not looked upon as a ruler or somebody of great authority and somebody with great wealth. He was looked upon in that manner. And you're telling me to come follow you? That's like asking somebody to give up their lovely home out in a nice gated area Come get some paper bags and some bags, some shopping bags or plastic bags, throw a few belongings in it, and come and live in a park with me as a homeless individual. No, that's not going to happen. But that's because a man is asking, not Jesus. And Jesus is asking him to give up the type of life he's been accustomed to, the style of life he's been living, and come follow him. And the young man is saddened because he's not willing to do that. Now, I want you to take note of this. Oftentimes, Sadness is because we're not willing, again, to be obedient to God. And remember I told you earlier, we all have to make a choice. He chose not to follow Jesus or what Jesus was asking of him. He chose not to do it. Not knowing the rich life that maybe he could have had compared to the present life he was living. And I want you to recognize that. You could have a much greater life, better life, more fulfilling life, a more peaceful life by following Jesus than by doing what you want to do. But many people do what they want to do rather than follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to come down with me in these last few minutes because I want you to see the same thing is basically bothering the disciples. They've been listening in on this conversation. And they understand that this young man was asked to give up, in a sense, everything and come follow him. Listen to what the disciple says in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, in verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who can be saved? If this person who has kept all the commands, if this person who is wealthy, is this person who has great possessions, this person who has a good position in life, 
If he can't be saved, then who can be saved? Who can gain eternal life? If this man couldn't do it, who can? And in position of life, they may be seeing themselves as a lower standard of life compared to him who has a greater standard of life. And if he can't get eternal life, how are we to gain eternal life? When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What Jesus is saying, man can't save himself. It's impossible. It's impossible for man to give himself eternal life. It's impossible for man to grant himself salvation. It's impossible for man to enter into heaven without the approval of God. It's impossible for man. And then he puts that but in there. But with God, all things are possible. And I think he's saying to the disciple, God is able to give you eternal life. God is able to grant you salvation. God is able to open his doors of heaven and welcome you in. God is able. And their question was, well, who can be saved? If this gentleman doesn't qualify, how do we qualify? And the qualification is simply this. Following Jesus. Following Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. No man can come unto the Father but by me. He gives us the knowledge and the way if we're willing to follow him. And he goes on, he says, And Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. That there's nothing else you get out of this. Understand this. You cannot save yourself. Understand this. You cannot change your life, even though you have the wealth and means to do it. The thing that you cannot change is what is in here. Oh, you can change the exterior, but you cannot change what is on the inside of you. That's something God and God alone has to do. He has to change that. That's why we have a lot of Christians still living like they were, like they were in the world. Simply because the inside has not been changed. Oh, the outer exterior may have been changed. What comes out of the mouth may have changed. But the heart, that innermost individual person that lives in there, hasn't changed. And he says, Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. Boy, Peter gets right to the point. We've left everything to follow you. And the, the, the question is then, what then will there be for us? What is it, what's in it for us? That if we follow you, Jesus, 
What's in there for us? What do we get out of this if we follow you? Now, the young man never asked that question. Maybe he should have hung around to hear the disciples ask their question. Because he never asked Jesus what it was that he would gain if he were to follow him. He never asked that. Now I want to invite you to ask that question. Just like the disciples. What's in it for me? Lord Jesus, if I follow you, what's in it for me? And get into his word and discover what you have inherited and what God gives to you. You have to discover those gifts on your own. Because what he's given to me, he may not give to you. Because you need something else altogether different. But what I guarantee you is this. What he gives you, you'll be satisfied with. And, and Peter says, what then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, not right then, but at the renewal. When this earth is renewed, when things really take place, oftentimes we want quick gratification. We want quick rewards. But Jesus says, it's going to come. You haven't followed me for nothing. You're going to gain. I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne... You will have followed me. You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That this is one of your rewards. This is one of the things you get. You're going to sit on a throne. You're going to have authority and power. And you're going to sit also judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now that's all future. But because God has a plan for you in the future, he's going to take care of you in your presence. In your present time, God will take care of you because he knows the plans he has for you. And secondly, he says, and this is us now, he spoke to the twelve about what they're going to receive. Now he talks to us, and he says in 29, And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much. We can't even begin to add that up. You left your house, brother, sister, father, mother, children, your fields where you make your living, for my sake, will receive a hundred times. Now, one thing I'd like to bring up in this is simply this. He mentions some things that are dear to our heart. 
But he doesn't mention wife because the two had become one. God never separates what he intended to be one. And he says, if you follow me, you will receive a hundred times as much. I can only say to you, I have received by following the Lord more than what I could have ever, ever gained doing it my way. I've had the privilege of speaking overseas. I've had the privilege of being in four or five different countries. I've had the privilege of sitting down doing Bible studies with families and cousins and aunts and uncles uh, of a family. I've had the privilege of being in India speaking. I, I mean, it has been a wonderful, wonderful life. All three kids going through college and me and my wife, we sometimes sit and we ask ourselves, how did we do that? And then realize we didn't do it. God did it. Don't live in the biggest home, but live in a nice home. We enjoy it and it's comfortable for us. And at our age, we mainly live in the kitchen, the bedroom, bathroom, laundry room. Living room, we very seldom visit. This room I'm in now is the room where I do some studying and reading and, 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 and do these videos. But um, most of the time, we don't live in half the house. Is more house than what we need. And he says he'll give you a hundred times as much. Boy, what is it that you won't leave in order to receive a hundred times as much? Now he's giving them information that was not given to the rich young ruler because the rich young ruler made his choice. That he's going to go live his life and not follow Jesus. Peter and the disciples had made a choice to follow Jesus, knowing they were going to have to give up, but not knowing what they were going to receive. They gave it up. And now he's explaining to them what they will receive. I can't tell you what you're going to receive if you choose to follow Jesus Christ. Only thing I can promise you is this. It will be a better life than what you have now. Not in the sense of what wealth may be able to afford you, but a much better and peaceful life in here and up here. Boy, it would be a great life. A wonderful life. An exciting life. An excellent life. A life that you could have never, never, never dreamed of. But a life that is fulfilling for you. For you. For you. And you'll be content with yourself. It don't matter if you have much or if you have little. As Paul says, I've learned to be content. Because I'm in the center of God's will. And I want you to know that. 
that when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the center of God's will. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Help us not to be foolish like the young rich ruler. Most likely he was able to keep his wealth. But Lord, there's no understanding how much he may have missed out on. I don't know what a hundred times of his wealth would have looked like. And he had no idea that that could have happened. Even in giving it away, the promise was he would receive a hundred times more. The only one that we know that, Lord, that we can maybe compare that with is with Job, who lost it all. But you gave him more than what he had lost. Help us to believe you and to trust you. And be willing, Lord, to set our life to the side and live the life that you want us to live. Let us not hang on to anything in this present life that will separate us from you. But may we, O oh God, surrender it, give it up, run away from it, that we might be pleasing in your sight. Would you bless those who hear? Would you minister to those who hear this message in the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you help them to let go of what they're hanging on to and keeps them from following after you? Give them the strength and the faith to walk away from earthly riches and to be able to follow you. Thank you for what you're going to do in the hearers. Thank you, Lord. Bless them and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. God keep you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. And remember this. The wealth of life is in a person called Jesus Christ. God bless you. Bye-bye.